Hi, I'm Thomas Clements, and this is the Zenith Ministries podcast. Welcome to our message of hope, security, and an exploration of true happiness. I'm glad you're here with us as we continue to share our stories of the many peaks and valleys of life and the beauty, truth, and goodness we were able to find in it. Please visit our website at zenithministries.com to connect with us to discover more. Welcome back. I do want to add a disclaimer today that there are some rough things that we're going to discuss that might not be age appropriate for some listeners. Please keep that in mind, uh, but I hope that those who are sticking around and listening grow from what I'm about to share. When I was 19, I was a little wild. I spent that year out in New Mexico, and part of that time I had a job washing dishes at a cafe video store hybrid that was owned by the lead singer of a one-hit wonder punk band from the 80s known as The Nails. It was a dream job for me because I was able to listen to a lot of cool music, watch hip artsy movies, and drink coffee. One day the guy who ran the counter for the movie center invited me and my roommates to a rave in the hills of Taos. We went, and it was a crazy party. Unfortunately, I was not on my best behavior. After a few drinks, I got into some trouble with some drug dealers because I told everyone that the ecstasy that they sold me was fake because it did not start working within minutes after I took it. Well, it started working, and the next thing I remember is disrespectfully yelling at a cop who came to quiet down the party. I was in a crowd, so I ran away. Needless to say, the guy who invited me was very upset with me and told me this at work the next day. I was frustrated too because at the time I thought it was no big deal. The owner of the cafe overheard all of this and took me aside. He then proceeded to tell me not to worry about the guy who was upset with me because he was just not as rock and roll as I was and just didn't understand. So this punk rock lead singer, who hung out with the Ramones, The Clash, and other awesome punk bands from the 80s, uh, was telling me that I was rock and roll. What an affirmation for a 19-year-old kid who wanted to be rock and roll. Now I look back at my behavior and thank the Lord that I got away from all of that. I was hurting myself and a lot of other people with my decisions. While on the outside, it might have looked like I was having tons of fun and living it up, on the inside, I was barely surviving. I was riddled with anxiety. I was terribly worried for my future and the relationships I had with others. See, the reason why I was out in New Mexico was because I agreed to enter a rehab facility out there for a year. Part of my program was that in what was known as the third phase, I would live in an apartment in Taos with other boys enrolled in the program and I would hold a job to pay rent and other needs. There were times when I had taken my sobriety seriously And there were times like this party when I did not. But actually, I really wanted to stop. I knew that this type of behavior was bad for me and that it would lead to bad things, but I was hooked. Furthermore, it really only made my anxiety worse. Even after I became a believer, I still have had my moments of anxiety as I still had the habit of worrying ingrained in me. From scrupulosity concerning my innocent mistakes to overthinking every one of my actions in my attempt to do God's will to worrying about my life and those I love. However, in all of these things, I've been able to do battle against my anxiety and have grown a lot in the process. 
Learning from my experiences, I thought it would be helpful to throw in my two cents on the subject to help others with their efforts in taking steps to overcome anxiety. And there are, I'm sure, many theories and understandings of what causes anxiety. Whether yours comes from a chemical imbalance in the brain or you overthink everything or whatnot, I'm not here to talk about that. Although it is good to remember that there usually can be multiple roots to a problem. Regardless of the cause, we should at least keep in mind that anxiety is an ancient human experience. It's been with us a while, nothing new. I say ancient because anxiety has been a part of the human condition since biblical times. The Bible, which contains writings that go back multiple millennia, is known to have referred to the problem in several instances. In fact, the Bible is known for saying things like, be not afraid and fear not and have no anxiety hundreds of times. So let's look at three different scriptures that I think can shed great light on how we should overcome anxiety. First, we can use it as a weapon of sanctification. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. For those who've experienced it, it is easy to see that the burden of anxiety and worry is tremendous. Many people go through terrible affliction, laboring against their own thoughts. Here Jesus is speaking to those who are caught in this battle. If your mind is constantly laboring against worry or you're burdened by overthinking or always assuming everyone hates you or you're paralyzed by thoughts of an unknown future, use it as an invitation to go to Jesus. Actually, give all of it to him with a simple prayer like, Jesus, you said you would take this so it's yours. Now we can't always expect something to happen right away. We don't go to the gym and expect to walk away in perfect shape after one visit. We need to repeat the act of surrender to Jesus, not to treat him like a magic wand, but by showing him that we do trust in his power, enough that we know he is real even if he doesn't beckon to our call in a millisecond. Show him that he doesn't need to prove himself to us for him to have worth in our lives. Keep petitioning him, and then eventually he will come through. By doing this, we can transform our anxiety into a weapon of sanctification in that it almost becomes a cue for us to pray and thus grow closer to Jesus. Uh, and this will happen even through the pain. We also are able to offer our suffering for ourselves and others, and so knowing that our suffering is meaningful can be helpful as well. Okay, our second passage from Scripture on how to overcome anxiety is that we should live in the ever-present moment. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Many specialists and intelligent thinkers today have caught on to this. They call it grounding yourself. Look around you. Pay attention to what is going on right in front of you in the moment. Essentially, Jesus is telling us to do this. Don't worry about the future, what you will wear, or will eat, will, will. Don't worry about what will happen. Surrender the future to God. Tell Him, God, I don't know what will happen, but you do. You already see how all of my problems are solved. You see the peace that is waiting for me on the other side of every disturbance. 
Help me, Lord, to have that peace without knowing yet how that problem will be solved. And this might sound oversimplified, or maybe you have tried your best at it, but I have to be totally honest with you, this works. Jesus makes us wait sometimes, but when he shows up, it's like, what anxiety? And Jesus offers a tip on how to stop worrying about future events. He says, look at the birds. Look at all of nature in this moment. Unless you're in the middle of a natural disaster like a flood or hurricane, get out of that, right? But find a quiet place in nature and look at how everything lives and survives. If you can't get to nature or it's raining or whatnot, turn on a nature show or YouTube. If this is still impossible, maybe you're in a class or at work, think about your own body. It has done what it is supposed to do more or less your whole life. We don't control our hearts beating, making blood stream through our bodies. My eyes are really bad without glasses or contacts, but we still have vision without doing anything to have it other than opening our eyes. So much more can be thought of, and maybe everything can go wrong with it one day, but we should not worry about that. Live in the moment you are in and focus on the good things that are going right. Maybe you have something that is not going well, like you have a disease or one of your senses does not work, or maybe you have a migraine. Then do your best to overlook the negative and focus on what is going well. Obviously, if you need medical attention, see to that, right? (laughs) But we have to stop thinking that just because something bad can happen that it will. And if it does, we need to trust that God will be there for us, like really be there. We have a bright future, even after death. We always have a bright future before us. I was on a run one time, and I was thinking about my future, and at that moment, I had a vision of a huge canyon, and God told me that this canyon was my future before me. I first saw it from the ground inside the canyon, and then my view of it raised up so I could see the view from above, and it was big. God told me that my future will always be this vast. Even when I'm facing death, there is always a huge canyon of life before me. Our futures are always like beautiful canyons for us to walk through, explore, and discover more. Essentially, with Jesus, we always have something to look forward to, even when we are suffering. And I owe this knowledge to this next bit of scriptural advice. If we pray, Jesus delivers. And this is St. Paul speaking to us in Philippians 4. He says, Have no anxiety at all, but in everything... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you follow this advice from St. Paul, you are putting a death certificate on your anxiety. The date has not yet been entered, but know that Jesus will deliver you from this. It is impossible to pray with thanksgiving for all the good things in your life already and not know peace in Christ. It is impossible to follow this advice and not be delivered from your anxiety. I don't know when. Jesus does, though. He is waiting for us to push ourselves to that moment. He's not a God of wonders simply to fix our problems. No, he is a God of wonders to help us know him because that is what is best for us. Sometimes if he just satisfies our needs, then we miss the point. And missing the point is not good enough for him. We need the point, and he wants to make sure that we get it. Okay, so just to organize my thoughts real quick, here's what I was trying to get at with this message if I was not clear enough the first time around. Number one, when we experience anxiety, surrender it in prayer to Jesus. And surrender means you trust that he will handle your problem. 
Number two, God sees your future and already has your solutions. Ask him to help you with the solutions and to grant that you can know the inner peace sooner rather than later. Number three, don't give up on prayer just because you've not received an answer. If nothing happens, then Jesus wants you to extend yourself even more. Not just pray for an hour when you want something, but pray at certain points throughout the day as well in thanksgiving and honor of God. Another important step that we must take in overcoming anxiety is that we must learn to view our lives correctly. How we view ourselves and our lives plays a significant role in this battle for peace and happiness. There was a Brad Pitt movie that came out last fall. Unfortunately, it was panned by some critics and didn't do much. And this might have been well-deserved, but I did find some interesting themes and powerful insight throughout the movie, particularly in the mission of Roy, played by Brad Pitt. And you definitely need to be impressed that I know the character's name in the movie, because usually if a big-name actor is playing the role, then I never bother learning the character's name. It is simply always, okay, Brad Pitt is in a rocket right now, or Tom Cruise is chasing that guy. But anyway, Roy is being sent from Earth to the farthest reaches of the galaxy to find his dad, who went out to discover if there was intelligent life out there. Sorry if the following spoils the movie for anyone. I think it would still be an entertaining movie, even with this knowledge. However, I must warn you, it is a slow-burning movie. It's super slow. But once again, there are some clever thoughts sprinkled throughout. Okay, so Brad finds his dad, Tommy Lee Jones, and Tommy Lee and him are talking. Brad wants to take his father, who's been missing for decades, home to Earth. His dad responds, but I can't return a failure. I have not found any intelligent life yet. Brad responds with something along the lines of, you didn't fail. We wanted to know if there was any intelligent life out there, and now we know. Okay, so this movie was made before last week when we heard those recent developments from the Pentagon, so let's just ignore that for right now. (laughs) So Tommy went out to see if there was any intelligent life in our solar system and thought he failed because he did not find any. Brad corrects his dad's view of reality. Tommy Lee was focused on his perceived failure, his misunderstanding of the mission, He was so focused on this that he lived his life in isolation, away from his wife and son and other loved ones. He did not fail. His discovery just did not meet his expectations. How many of our relationships are hampered because we fail to see reality as it truly is? Sometimes when we are anxious, we misjudge reality and think that the worst case scenario is the only reality that our future will be. Or we misjudge our past, see it as a failure because we measure success incorrectly or have certain expectations that are not met. And what I mean by that is simply doing what Tommy Lee Jones did in the movie. Okay, I'm sure Tommy Lee Jones has made great, great choices in real life. But if we feel like a failure because we are not married by a certain time or don't have a lot of money or our lives do not seem as glamorous and fun as all our friends on Instagram, then we are looking at our lives incorrectly and we feel pain because of this. It's kind of like this. In a race, you measure how fast you can complete the set course pre-established before the race began. So the measurement for success is time. Who has the quickest time? Now is that the measurement for success with life? No. We do not celebrate those who get through life fast. But life is still like a race. It's a marathon for sure. Sometimes you want to sprint through certain events that you are experiencing uh, that are uncomfortable. And sometimes you want to go slow, walk even, and enjoy life. 
And then what if you're running a race like the Boston Marathon and you get to the finish line of the race and you beat everyone else and the judge at the end looks at you confused. He asks, didn't you find anyone else to help get to the finish line? You are in bewilderment when you find out that you are in last place because you misunderstood the rules of the race this year. And the winner of this race was whoever helped the most people finish. Okay, so I know how races actually work, but please bear with me for this analogy. So what is the measurement of success as the earth races its laps around the sun? Is it to travel and see as many places you can see? Is it to make lots of money? Or maybe you just want to be famous, or maybe you just want to have an impact in the lives of others. Uh, we see that how we view reality, our reality can change our experience of it. I could have no money, but have a beautiful family that loves me and view myself as successful. Or maybe I'm struggling with unemployment, but I treat every human I encounter with dignity and love, and I still view myself as very successful, and I'm just going through something. Or I'm a doctor who loses about 50 patients a year to illness and accidents, but I'm able to look at the ones that I can treat and help and still feel successful. So when I was in rehab at 19, I viewed my life, my past, present, and future uh, poorly, and this caused me a great deal of anxiety. Even when I was officially made a knight of rock and roll, I struggled because I viewed my life incorrectly and suffered because of it. But eventually, thankfully, I went to Jesus in prayer, and over the years, he has shown me how to correctly view reality, how to correctly view my life. And now it's like every day is better than the one before. Even with hardships and they still come, I have never been happier. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have enjoyed our message today, please give us a review and share it with others. Uh, we hope to continue to offer these messages free of charge to help others reach the heights of humanity. 